Hello and welcome to Beyond Boundaries. My name is Justin Douglas. I'm so pumped to have you with me today on this episode of Beyond Boundaries. If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode, you can go to pastorjustindouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions, or you can reach out via Instagram. I'm at Pastor Justin Douglas. Also, please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. It really does make a difference. Movita Johnson Harrell is a member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. She represents the 190th District. She is the first female Muslim member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And I like to think of her as a friend. I got to know Movita through her work with bringing awareness to gun violence. I was part of a demonstration that Movita helped organize. She is a passionate, energetic, and inspiring woman. Uh, We chatted and caught up. Uh, It was more of us catching up as friends, actually, and you just get to hear the conversation. I haven't had a chance to talk with her since she won her election and moved into this role as a representative just a couple months ago. So we talk about that and much more. Here it is, my interview with Movita Johnson-Harrell. Movita, how are you? I'm good, Justin. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be talking to you. <laughs> this is amazing. We're in your office. We're in my office in, in the Harrisburg, capital. in the Capitol. <laughs> like, this is awesome. They really let me in, Jason. <laughs> I mean, Justin, I'm sorry. They did. No, you're fine. My mom, do you know what's crazy about that? When people call me Jason, I always say, my mom was going to call me Jason. That was the name she had picked really? for me. She literally called me Jason, I think, while like I was in her belly. And then that, <laughs> then that movie came out. Then the movie came out where and Jason said, was a killer. She's like, all right, Justin, Justin it is. <laughs> so what happened? Like last, last uh, we were talking, you weren't running for office. You weren't running for, for the house, like the house, right? That's your, yeah. your, your house representative. Yeah, I'm yeah. a representative in the yeah. house. So t- um, tell me a little bit about that journey. Well, or tell people, you know, whatever you want to tell them to give an introduction to who you are. But I'd love to hear about the journey of like. Yes. So, you know, I ran in 2016 for this same seat and I didn't even really want to win when I ran in 2016. I wanted to change the narrative, right? Because I had participated in stuff um, in gun violence prevention programs that were successful in Philadelphia and no one wanted to pay for those programs. So I realized in that moment that homicide is a big business in Philadelphia. Mm. So I made a decision to run so I could change the narrative in that race because Mm. it was a huge election cycle. There was Congress races going on, state rep races. And -hmm. what I wanted to do was I wanted to have people talking about the issues that mattered most to us, right? Talking about gun violence and poverty and education. And I was very, very successful in changing the narrative of that election cycle. Um, And while I did not win that seat, I think I won. In the, in the long run. You changed the right? narrative. That's I cha- awesome. Not only did yeah. I change the narrative, then Larry Krasner came for me to work with him and yeah. work with him at the DA's office. Yeah. And I wound up being appointed as his supervisor for victim and witnesses services and restorative justice. Yeah. I think right? you started that when we first met. Right around yes. when we first met is when you were stepping into that role, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, so I stepped yeah. in that role. And in the process, we had been planning Demand the Ban, right? Yeah. So demand, I actually, Demand the Ban was actually my idea. And the whole premise behind it was for a mother who had lost a child to gun violence to be arrested. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Give people maybe two minutes of your personal story. I mean, you could go longer if you want, but I know gun violence prevention is is really important to you. It's important to a lot of people, but for you, it's intimately important. Yes, so I am intimately um, associated with gun violence. You know, on March 30th, 1975, Easter Sunday, my father was murdered in Mm. front of me and my family. 
Um, and I, I pretty much lost my mother and my father in that moment. He died in her arms on our front porch mm. and I was, I was nine years old. It was 21 days before my ninth birthday. Um, and back then there weren't victim services for families and families yeah. were expected to pick themselves off, up and dust themselves off and move on with their lives. And I watched my mother struggle with depression and, and struggle with self-medicating her depression. Mm-hmm. And I had to grow up very, very quickly. And then in 1991, my brother was murdered. My only brother was murdered. Mm. Um, so I've always been very hyper vigilant about um, violence and and very hyper vigilant about protecting my children from violence. And I was actually pregnant with my third child when my brother was murdered. His name was Charles Johnson. He did not have a namesake. So mm. I named my daughter, who was born a month later, Charlene Johnson. Mm. And then 14 months later, I had my fourth child, who I named Charles Johnson after mm-hmm. my brother. You know, and I went on about the business of trying to be that that family in the community where all the kids gravitated toward because I figured if if we had our hands on those kids and we can help guide them that we could keep our children safe. And in summer 2007, my two sons were 14 and 16 and they came and they said, Mom, we know nine boys murdered in this neighborhood. And at that point, I told my husband it's time to go. And on January 15, 2008, I left Philadelphia. Mm. which wasn't the solution for us. You know, I thought that was the solution and I thought we were saved. But exactly three years to that day, I buried my son. January 13, 2011, Charles was shot Mm. and killed in a case of mistaken identity. And I buried him two days later. Um, So when he died, I created the Charles Foundation and I got active in this movement. And I became vice chair of Heating God's Call to End Gun Violence. So that was the... um, the Demand the Ban was a collaboration between the Charles Foundation, Heating God's Call to End Gun Violence, Delco United for Sensible Gun Policy, the simple way. and The Simple yeah. and Way that's how I got with Shane yeah. Claiborne <laughs> and Raw Tools yeah, from Raw Tools. Denver. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful turnout for this event that happened in May of 2018. And, and you know, it was really hard for me because I had gone to the DA's office in the interim and he said, well, you can participate in the action, (laughs) but you cannot get arrested. And the whole premise was for me to be arrested. But you know, you and so many others got arrested (laughs) in my place. Like we had three different groups that got arrested. You know, we, we melted it down yeah. a semi-automatic weapon and yeah. turned it into a garden tool and and marched up Market Street to deliver that to Senator Toomey and yeah. of course he wasn't there yeah. but yeah. you know it was just a very very powerful event and I just see it as that all of that has led me here yeah right so I wasn't even going to run this time you know I was in the district attorney's office and around October November there began to be buzz in Philadelphia that the incumbent um, who see who I replaced was going to be convicted of her corruption charges. You mm. know, so I had a couple of brief conversations with, with leadership in Philadelphia and they made it very, very clear. I was not their choice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they said, well, we have three men that we're considering, you know, over you and, mm. My whole thing was this was a woman's seat. Like, why would you, with only 24% of the legislature being women, why would you replace a man with a woman? That's number one. You know, even if it ain't me, find a woman. And then the uh, other three candidates that they had really had no credibility in the community, like for like really putting in the work. But you know what I said? I said, I don't want to run without the endorsement because I know I'm not going to win. And I said, I'm doing Mm -hmm. great work in the DA's office. You know, even prior to going to the DA's office, 
office through the Charles Foundation. I had created a model called the Philadelphia Cares model. I bought $1.6 million from Harrisburg to Philadelphia mm. for homicide services and to reduce homicide. Yeah. So I said, I'm sitting in the DA's office. I'm making $110,000 a year. I'm doing a great job. I'm not running for the seat. I said, yeah. if I got to quit my job and I shot up a prayer, mm-hmm. like I said, God, if this is my seat, I'm not going to have to quit my job. I'm not going to have to work so hard for it. You're going to let me know it's my yeah. seat. And I made a decision to get comfortable in the DA's office. I cleaned 70 boxes of paper out of my office. <laughs> I went and bought a refrigerator and a Keurig. <laughs> and the next week, literally, the next week on Friday, January 25th, my phone rang at uh-huh. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was the Democratic Party, and I was being told that the three men that were put up ahead of me could not make the ballot, and they needed someone to represent my district, and would I be their choice? Wow. And that's some soul searching there at that moment because you're like so, I've already I've already put the roots down here and now I've got to figure out if I'm gonna. Well, it make really it wasn't because remember I told you I has I, I sent up that prayer yeah. the week before. Yeah. So this was like divine intervention, sure. right? Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. knew that they didn't want me, but at this point they didn't have a choice. <laughs> It's always the best, right? So I had to go. I had to immediately go to Larry to the district attorney yeah. and resign from my job. Yeah. Wow. Now, you resigned to begin running then? Or like, did yes. you have to, like, and, and what's that process like? Because this was a special election. This, this was a special. So I resigned on January 25th. I actually met with the ward leaders and the leadership on January 27th, where they technically gave me the nomination okay. and I began running on January right 28th. And um, the so election was in March then? The so election like was two, in March. Two months, not even. No, it was like, what, five weeks? Yeah, wow. So, and the other three candidates, because I was in a four person race, had been in this race mm. since October. Okay. And I came in on January 28th and it was really amazing. You know, I put together a really good team. And I didn't. I'm going to just give it all to God, right? Yeah. Because everything just seemed to fall in place. And we had a wonderful team. And we were able to touch 10,000 people five times in five weeks. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Now, so you get here, you are, you know... Tell me a little bit on election day, what that was like. Like, were you going in expecting, I'm like, this is going to work out. We're going to win this. Or were you like, I don't really know what to expect. Was there even polling data that was accurate? Or I mean, I'm sure in a, in a race like so, that, that's unique. Well, because I was the Democratic nominee and because of my name mm-hmm. recognition yeah. and yeah. my credibility in the community, they already had me pegged to win. Okay. Um, but I didn't want to take anything for granted. Sure. I also did not feel like it was doing a, a, a justice to the people for me to ask for their vote without seeing me. Yeah. So I literally knocked doors, went to every community meeting I could get in, went to all of the senior homes in my district, yeah. sprained my knee the first oh, week. No. That I ran and still kept running and just tried to touch as many people as possible. And it was amazing. I mean, the outpour of volunteers and like people telling me we got you. And then the endorsement started and it was amazing. And on the day of the election on March 12th, it was literally my job to like um, poll hop. Right. So I was going from polling place to polling place to polling place. And it was a lot of politics going on (laughs) um, because part of the party in my race had split. Like there were 
some Democrats Democrats that were endorsing um, this independent candidate who gotcha. they really wanted to have the Democratic endorsement, but he jumped the gun too fast. He could have uh, actually gotten the endorsement had he just held on. But he went to independent too but soon. But he went to independent gotcha. too soon. Okay. Um, so I poll hopped, you know, yeah. the entire day of the election and that evening got to... Um, our location where we were like watching the numbers yeah, yeah. and it just seemed like it was taking so long <laughs> for these numbers to come in. And then at one point my head ward leader, um, called me and he's like talking and it's not computing. And he's like, Movita, you know, most of the numbers are in, we got 80% in and, and you're up by like 70% on all the other three candidates. Oh, and I'm wow. like, and, and somebody was actually video recording me and I didn't realize it. And I'm like, stop playing Steve. <laughs> and I'm like, you need to get over here now. <laughs> and then, and people all around me are like watching numbers on the laptops and on their phones. And then, and then it hit me. Yeah. That I won. Yeah. And my son, Dante, must have seen me from across the room because he came over and he literally held me up. Mm. And I just bent over and started crying because it hit me like Mm. that I had won. And then what I knew within a matter of seconds, everyone else in the room knew and the room went berserk. (laughs) And my son screams out and it's on video, we won. And everybody just goes crazy in the room. That's an amazing feeling, I'm sure, after all the work you put in. Even though it was only five weeks, it's almost even more intense than a longer campaign, I would assume. Because there's not as much strategy. It's like, just go at all the capacity you have. And then that night is just kind of that release of like, oh, it was worth it. Like, that's, that's pretty amazing. So... Um, then you come here to Harrisburg from Philly. What district is it in Philly? Uh, so I'm the 190th district. 190th district. Yeah. What 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 part of Philly is that? Just curious. Um, so it's West Philly. It's from City Line Avenue to Larchwood Street. It's okay. a portion of East Falls, 33rd Street yeah. that encompasses all of Fairmount Park, um, and it's very gerrymandered on the east and west sides. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you're here in Harrisburg now. Tell me a little bit about like your first week coming into this role. That's an interesting. Uh, transition into this role, I would assume, Yeah, right? like, so I was actually invited up the week before I was sworn in by the Democratic leadership. There was okay. this special retreat going on for the Democratic reps, and okay. they invited me up Thursday and Friday, put me up, treated me like royalty, like yeah. everybody made me feel so welcome and embraced me coming here. And, you know, before I came up here, I had friends up here already because yeah, I've sure. been coming to Harrisburg yep. doing um, gun violence prevention work. And... So they made me feel very, very welcome. Um, But then I came up on March 25th for my swearing in. And it was really beautiful because, you know, the the leadership told me I could have up to 50 guests. And the response was so overwhelming for people who wanted to be here with me that I had to wind up asking for five more seats. And they accommodated me. My family rented a bus and put everyone (laughs) in the bus to come up here. And we had 55 guests in the well of the floor. And I mean, it was an interfaith group. 
group because, you know, I'm vice chair for Heating God's Call to End Gun Violence. So we had Muslims, Christians, Jews. It was five generations of my family that was here. My Mm. grandmother, my mother, my only biological sibling, my children, my grandchildren. Mm. My daughter even came from Maryland. Like she's finishing up her Ph.D. at Mm. University of Maryland. She even came to Philly, like to ride up on the bus with the family. So it was amazing. Mm, That's great. That's great. How have you transitioned into the role so far? What, it's been six weeks? So, yeah, it's been six weeks today. And, you know, there was the rocky start to the whole prayer thing that that went on. Share a little bit about that. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that. I mean, we can talk about about it if you want to. So here's the thing. Like when my mother, my mother converted to Islam in 1976 and it was not it was not popular to be black and Muslim in 1976. Sure. I was hazed by black folks, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was teased in school. My Kimar was pulled off in school. Mm. And, you know, I had to deal with that. But then as Islam became popular and began to blow up, mm-hmm. literally, in mm-hmm. Philadelphia, then it became an Islamic town, right? So being up here, I knew... We shattered a glass ceiling when my district elected me as state representative. Now, are you one of the first representatives that's Muslim? or I am the been? first Muslim woman Oh wow! Um, ever elected to the General Assembly. Oh, my goodness. So while there are two Muslim men here, they don't wear their Islam, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. I'm visual and I'm noticeable. Yeah. So the one thing that I knew is we got a lot of people from different counties mm-hmm. and from the West, and we know some of the ideology that they have. And I knew there was going to be some pushback, yeah. you know, to a hijabi coming up to mm-hmm. the state house. And I was very well prepared to accept that, right? I didn't know that they were going to do it on the day of my swearing in. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was going to be organized and planned the way that it was. It was very planned and it was very intentional. So we had um, Stephanie, uh, Representative Stephanie Barlowitz from Clinton County, Mm -hmm. um, the 76th District, who actually stood up to do an invocation. Mm -hmm. So how it's happened historically is that um, any faith leader or anybody could be invited to do the invocation, but because one, um, I believe the person was agnostic and the leader would not let that person do the prayer, it was deemed that only state representatives could do the invocation at the beginning of the session. Mm. So on this particular day, Representative Barowitz mm. was doing the invocation. Now, she's a wife of a pastor. They're invel- evangelists. Yeah. Um, evangelical. And, yeah, yeah, evangelical. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... I think I know where this is going. I mean, I, I watched the prayer. and I, I didn't I, think anything of it, like when she started, right? Yeah. Because I've always been taught to be respectful mm-hmm. of our religions. I grew yeah. up going to synagogue and yeah. going to church, and I still do, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't think anything of it. So we all stood and, and bowed our heads, and she starts her prayer. And first of all, it didn't sound very genuine. Yeah, it sounded, yeah. It didn't sound very genuine. Um, And then, you know, she went on and at about the eighth Jesus, I lifted my head up. Right. And I'm trying to make eye contact with her. And then she goes on to talk about um, Trump and how he unequivocally stands with Israel against Palestine. And and to me, that wasn't a prayer. It was a political statement. Yeah, it seemed a little bit. I mean. Look, and this happens all the time with people. It seemed more like a 
I mean, weaponized might be a little too big of a word. Like, I, I mean, obviously it's rhetoric and rhetoric is very important and it can be weaponized, yes. right? Um, but it seemed like it had an intent to disrupt or harm. Like, it did. It which did. was too bad, especially on your day. I mean, that's, that's, that's too bad. But, you know, what I always say is I always say if you're doing something significant, in the world, mm-hmm. you're going to have opposition. Absolutely. So it just means you're doing something significant, Movina. Absolutely. So here's the thing. <laughs> so what happened? What's the fallout of that? Because uh, that was like a big story. Like, well, that was a what, big you, deal. what you guys couldn't see on that video is after she came down, first of all, she didn't stop on her own accord. State Representative Margot Davidson, who sits behind me to my right, yelled out, Objection. Really? And that's when the During leader the touched her arm to tell her to wrap it up. So the leader didn't even stop her. Wow. Margot Davidson See, I don't know stopped any of this stuff. it. Wow. wow. So when she came down off of the podium, her and two other Republicans literally stormed off the floor in protest of my swearing in. Oh, man. So here's the thing. Mm, I had a bad. I had a reception waiting for all of my guests in another room. Mm-hmm. And after the pictures got taken and I got over to the reception, what I said to my guests is that is not going to ruin our day. Yeah. I said what's really sad is that the rep didn't see that this was an opportunity to show that this house could be unified, to show that this house represents the constituents that it serves. I said it's really sad that mm. the rep doesn't realize that I believe in the same God that gave mm. us Moses and the Torah. Yeah. I believe in the God that gave us Jesus and the gospel. Mm. And I believe in the God that gave us Muhammad and the Quran. Yeah. So this was a moment that she missed, mm. not me. Yeah. I think, I think that's such an important thing to, to note that like our representatives should represent our community. Uh, and as a Christian myself, as a pastor myself, like I just don't see a whole lot of value in praying for the sake of disruption. It seems to me that prayer should always be for the sake of unity. Absolutely. Like, um, and at least in the form in which it was there, it was, it was upsetting. I'm glad you have the perspective you have though. Yeah. Cause you have a lot of resolve. You've been through a lot. People have said things about you. I'm sure over, over your, your oh lifetime. <laughs> so you're like, not uh, only that running for this seat was such a sacrifice to me and my family. I yeah. mean, yeah, people came at me, but you know what? I'm God built. I'm built yeah. for this challenge. Yeah. Right. But, but the leader of the democratic party, Frank Dermody said the same exact thing that you said. Mm. He said, I've been here for 27 years. He said, we've never used prayer to divide us. That's why we hold that invocation in the beginning of the session to remind us all why we are here. And we're not here for our own selfish wants and needs. We're here to represent the constituents of the 190th. And some of those constituents are Muslim. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 So is that all resolved now? And not really resolved, but I mean, is that, what's the, what happens after something? Well, I mean, I know like politics, obviously, um, you know, you're going to remember that. That's not going to just be something you put out, you know, you know, like there's going to be people you have fundamental differences with here. Yeah. No matter what, right? So here's the thing. I ain't got no beef with Rep Barowitz, right? I came up here to make friends. Yeah. So we have a Republican majority. I can't afford 
to be in a fight with the Republican. If I want to get the stuff passed that I'm working on, I need them. So yeah. I, uh, so let me. God is so divine because mm. I tried to get to her for the first two days after that happened, mm. and I couldn't get to her. Yeah. And so He wound up that Wednesday putting us in the same hallway on opposite <laughs> ends of the hallway as we walked toward one another. Wow. And as soon as I got up on her, I stepped over and I introduced myself to her and I told her I would love to have a further conversation with her. Mm. I'm not here to make enemies. Yeah, that's good. I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing those 60,000 people in the 190th district. Wow. That's a great, that's a great outlook to have because I think... I wish politicians could be more pragmatic and practical and like, look, I'm trying to get stuff done. What is some of the things you're really excited about getting done? Obviously, oh there's got to be some gun violence legislation in there that you're yes. excited about. You could share a little bit about that. Share a little bit about, you know, I don't know if there was a particular platform you ran on, uh, if there was a, a bill or a couple ideas that you were like, here's some things we need to work on. But just curious what you're passionate about and what you're thinking, you know your time and your legacy here is going to going to be in the form of legislation. Yes. Yeah, so everybody calls me the gun lady. Yes, I am the <laughs> gun lady, right? I, I take it. Yeah. But people need to realize that I understand the problem is bigger yeah. than the actual gun. Certainly. Right. So, and, and I ran on improving education and creating jobs and economic opportunity and community reinvestment. Mm. And I live in a district that is so polarized, right? We have a high level of affluence and you go blocks away and it's deep, deep poverty, wow. right? And there needs to be some balance. There's a lot of gentrification in my district. Yeah. And while some people see gentrification as progress, we need to make sure that we are not pushing people out or not making a way for them to participate in the progress, Definitely. right? So those are the issues that I want to work on. And right now, um, so I hit the ground running on March 25th. I was sworn in. I started voting and co-sponsoring legislation on March 25th. I am actually creating my first piece of legislation. I, I think we started this about my third week here. Um, my first piece of legislation is going to be a five-bill package because... You said I'm, May, I'm, May 25th? You're, I'm, oh, you're, March 25th. You, I came March 25th. You came to March 25th. Yes. And you have coming up a piece of legislation you're presenting? Yes. Oh, so okay. I, I'm in the process of drafting my first piece of legislation for introduction. Okay. And people may not know that I am really big on criminal justice reform and making yeah. sure that we balance the scales, right? Um, so my legislation is going to be a five-bill package on dignity for incarcerated women, more specifically wow. pregnant women. So the five-bill package, and I'm going to summarize it, it's going to be, um, for number one, take the shackles off of women during childbirth. Mm. Um, number two, do not move women more than 250 uh, miles from where they are going to be discharged to. Number three, stop the cavity searches. Mm. Number four, train all prison guards on the mental and physical health of engaging pregnant women. And number five, don't rip those babies out of those mother's arms an hour after those babies were born. We need to give mm. them time to bond. Yeah. Wow. That's That should be legislation that everyone can agree on. Yes. Right? I mean, I would hope. I mean, did you hear the story that came out over the weekend about no. the pregnant, mentally ill woman who they left in a cell alone and she gave birth by herself? No, I did not hear about this. Yeah. This was in Pennsylvania? Or this is, no, this oh. isn't in Pennsylvania. It was in 
It was in another state. It was it, in another it, oh, state. Wow, that's, that's wild. But that shows that this is a problem in this nation. Sure, sure. I mean, I think I think criminal justice reform and prison reform is definitely there's 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 a lot of ways we can get more dignity into that system while still having and securing safety and justice. Absolutely. Not only that, you know, when we put people in prison, we shouldn't put them in prison with the idea of uh, lock them up and throw away the key. Yeah. Right? It's supposed to be, we talk about rehabilitation, and you, in many instances you can't rehabilitate someone that's never been habilitated in the first place. Yeah. There used to be opportunities for people to get training and get certificates and mm-hmm. get education, and that has been removed because it's intentional. The recidivism is intentional. Why would we help you to improve yourself <laughs> yeah. when we want you to come back and be free labor? Well, or when we have a prison system that is not nonprofit. Absolutely. It's, it's a profit. It's, like, it's for profit. It's for profit. It's for like profit. there's profit being made off off a criminal justice system that might be too quick to give people mandatory minimum sentences, even if they're nonviolent offenses yes. or if it's their first or second offense. Like uh, take not taking into account, you know, the reality of what you're doing to this person's lifelong term. Mm-hmm. Like it's wild. I mean, I, I I think what you're talking about is is really a great step in the right direction. Anything that's going to bring more dignity to um, people who are who are in that position. Because I mean, think about it. I mean, to be pregnant and to be in prison or in jail, how how difficult pregnancy is in the first in place. The first I mean, place. I don't know this personally, but I mean, I, my wife yes. has had three children, and uh, and. Uh, that's hardly under the best circumstances yep. to be put in a situation where uh, you're in a in a prison like that, and then you're you're trying to and, and imagine it being your first child, the terror that exists with your first yeah. child, and just not knowing what to expect and not knowing, and, and being then away to be from your yeah away from your, your family, supports. people can't be there to support you because yeah. yeah, I mean, so that that's really really great that you're yeah. bringing that so you, you think in the next month or so you'll be bringing that yeah okay. so thankful to you know the women up here who've embraced me mm-hmm. rep Joanna McClinton rep Morgan Cephas rep Summer Lee we're all putting out packages so that's great. this is very exciting you know even yeah. looking at creating some some gun um, violence prevention legislation yeah. around straw purchasing okay um, in the process of writing that as well wow. Now, do you have any history in writing legislation? Is this no. all new to you? It's all new That's to me. so great. I love it. I love yeah. it. And you're just like, I'm hitting the floor running. We're just going to start writing some stuff. Yeah. That's great. You got people like, how does it work when just, this is more of a curious question for myself. How does it work when you become a representative? Do you get assigned to you individuals that are going to help? Do you have a budget to hire people who can help yes. you with those things? How does so, that, how does it, tell me so how that works. When you are a freshman in the house of representatives, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you get a budget. It's a crappy budget. <laughs> But you get a budget, and you okay. have to find the best people you can that you can squeeze out in, into your budget. Gotcha. Um, so up here in Harrisburg, we actually get a legislative assistant um, that the House finds for you, and you share. Like I share with my office mate who won her special election okay. on the same night I did, Bridget Koryoski from... Uh, Lackawanna County. Okay. Um, so we share a LA, but I, my district office in Philly, I have three full-time staff in that office. Okay. But as far as um, legislation, they have 
um, an entity here in the house that's called L Pro that all I had to say was, I need you to pull me every piece of gun legislation that has stalled in the last five years. I see. And they pull it off. You can review that. I can say, I need mapping to show the overlay of where homicides have occurred in the last three years between the 190th and 191st district. And they provide me that information. Wow. So it's a lot of support here. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that because I thought I was going to come up here and have to do my own research and all that. And I'm like, how am I going to do all that and run my district office and (laughs) go and vote on the House floor? But they And have people randomly pop in your office and try to get you to... Um, I saw. Well, I just. I, I'm <laughs> referencing the fact that when I got here, there was. You were saving office. me, <laughs> and that was like my fourth meeting this morning. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. That's a wild, interesting life. How are you balancing Philly and Harrisburg? I mean, I know it's only what an hour and a half between on the. You know, I mean, I guess I'm if there's no traffic, hours. two hours. I don't know. Yeah, it depends on like so two hours. Like, but. You got to stay up here for a few days and the family's back in Philly. And I mean, are you now that you're six weeks in starting to figure out a balance in that or you feel like you're getting it? So I think the benefit for me is that I have a wonderful husband who's supportive. And whenever I say anything to Yancey, he's like, whatever you want, honey, we're going to make it work, honey. Let's just do it, honey. So, you know, the first couple of weeks I commuted every day. It was exhausting. Mm. I was mm. losing four hours on the highway every day. Yeah, I would get home and be exhausted and have nothing to give to him and the boys. Yeah. So him and I had a conversation. He says, it makes sense for you to stay up there. He said, yeah. we'll be okay. And you know, when, because we're taking care of our two eight year old grandsons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he said, and when you're away, the boys call it boys night so he said we'll be fine so I've been cooking for him on Sunday and driving up here on Monday and returning home on Wednesday and then do you work in your office there in Philly then you you said yeah then I work in my district office on Thursday and Friday Mm -hmm. and and I'm gonna tell you it's been so crazy I've been at events Saturday and Sunday so I've literally been working seven days a week well you make sure you get some rest and yeah didn't Ramadan starts today? Ramadan started today. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm fasting now. Yeah. So you even need to prioritize that rest a little more. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing about Ramadan. You are not supposed to stop doing anything that you typically... Absolutely. So Ramadan is amazing. It's to get you in touch with your own humanity, Mm. but it's also to get you in touch with humanity of others to build your compassion and empathy for humanity. So when we don't drink water for right now, we're, oh my gosh, we start fasting at 4.30 and we don't break until 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, it's like 16 hours. So it's like 16 hours. I was in United Arab Emirates during Ramadan one year and it was, it was interesting. I think, I think it was during Ramadan. Yeah. I think I was there during Ramadan and, uh, or at least I know we had a lot of conversations about it. Like it was happening or it was coming up and like, and it's a very interesting, you know, practice. It is. And and it's, is it 30 days? It's 30 days. So to not be able to drink water for 16 hours, you get to understand how a homeless person who does not have access to water. Yeah. Right. Um, not being able to eat, um, just being able to be spiritually grounded, making sure that you're reading the Holy book, making sure that you're doing all those things to make you a better human being. Right. Mm. Because this is absolution for us. Yeah. Yeah. You're connected. I think for me, fasting, 
opens you up to your weakness and your need in the area of food, but it also opens you up to your weakness and your need to be plugged into the source that is God. Absolutely. You know? But also to be really cognizant of your behavior and yeah. your actions, right? Yeah. Because if you curse, you break your fast for that day. Oh, really? Oh, and okay. if you if you miss a day, you are required to make that day up. Wow. And this is this is Monday through Sunday. This is like this doesn't, every day this for 30 days, for, for every day for 30 days. So there's not like a no, there wow. is no break wow. except for, you know, so women when they're in their cycles, they sure. can't fast because they're considered unclean, but sure. they have to make those days up and there are provisions. So this isn't meant to be a hardship from God, yeah. like for people who take medication that or they if, have to eat with, diabetic they or something. have to yeah, yeah, yeah. do what they need to do for their sure. health. There are other ways like you can feed a hungry person mm-hmm. and in order to make up that day. But for mm. those of us who are physically able to do so, we are required. It's one of the five pillars of yeah, Islam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, happy Ramadan. Thank you. And uh, I'm really excited we got a chance to connect. Is there anything you want to share with people who might listen to this or how they might follow you or connect to you? Or, yeah, just share a little bit about what your uh, what your ways are following on social media or wherever else you want to post to. Sure. So first I want to say thank you to everybody. Cause if you look on my back, um, <laughs> yeah. desk, I have so many cards, um, so many thank yous of people who reached out from around the world. Wow. Like after that prayer happened and people who told me that they're glad that I'm here and they're glad that I'm bringing more diversity to the house and the love. I mean, I've received hate mail and death threats, sure. and, but the love has been overwhelmingly the majority that's of awesome. what I've received. And that's, that's awesome. what I embrace, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm here to serve the people. Like I have to remind people, yes, this is a wonderful thing. Yes, we did make history in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and in Pennsylvania, but my seat rests on Charles Johnson's grave. And wow. I don't ever forget that. Every day that I look at that picture hanging on that yeah, wall, yeah. you know, with the Madonna and her dead son laying in her mm-hmm. arms, I am reminded that my son sits, my seat in this house sits on Charles Johnson's grave Mm. and I will make my son proud and I'm going to save our kids and I'm going to find a way to stop this. God's going to make it happen. He already Mm. said so. That's why I'm here. Mm. Right. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, all of my social media is Rep Movita, Movita. (laughs) Twitter, the gram, Rep Movita. (laughs) The gram. I love how you said that. That's awesome. (laughs) Twitter and the gram. That's great. Well, Movita, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's good to see you, Justin. Good to see you, too. (laughs) Another episode in the books. I want to thank Movita for being on the Beyond Boundaries podcast with me. Go find her on Facebook at Representative Movita. She's on Instagram as well at Rep. Dot Movita. It was great to have you with me today on Beyond Boundaries. If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode, you can go to pastorjustindouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions, or you can reach out via Instagram. I'm at Pastor Justin Douglas. Please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. It really does make a difference when you uh, hit that like button or when you review the podcast. It, uh, when you share it with others, it, it gets the word out and others get to enjoy it too. So hopefully you get the opportunity to do that on your social media or even just by word of mouth with your friends. Hey, check out this new podcast or whatever. So I would love it if you would do that for me. May you go and live a life that is beyond boundaries, giving others love, exploring new ideas, and championing belonging. 